Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So please listen. Please share the show. Um, please help out in any way you can. All these entrepreneurs come on here to help everyone grow. We're starting to have an international footprint. Uh, There's a lot of entrepreneurs in the food world, more than any other space out there. So please share the love. Please share what we're doing. And thank you guys for listening. And I love you guys. So that being said, from halfway around the world, we have Matt from Ilicale Pizzeria in Perth, Australia. How are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you, man? Good. Uh, Matthew, Matthew, you want to give him your full name just because I have trouble pronouncing it? Yes, my full name, because I'm French, so it's uh, actually Mathieu, um, but I, everyone in Australia cannot, you know, cannot say Mathieu, so everyone's calling me Matt, um, so, so Matt will do, like, perfect. Cool, man. And um, I just want to make sure, because it's, uh, how did um, someone from France end up in Australia? I guess that's going to be my beginning question for you to start telling us your story, sort of how you ended up in food, how you ended up in Australia. The mic is yours. Well, well, that, that's a very good question because that's basically where everything started from. Um, so, so my partner and I used to live in France, uh, obviously, because we born from there. Um, and then we at some point went to Brazil um, to spend like a few months. And then when we came back, got back into the routine of, um, you know, work, um, you know, the 7, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. to, to 4, 4, 5 p.m. And then one day um, I was having a shower and she came into the bathroom. She's like, let's go to Australia. And I was like, you rock. Um, so it took us like, you know, a few months to pack up, to, you know, stop our job, to get everything ready, um, just to save a few bucks because we were like broke as. Um, so we did manage to do that in, yeah, like four or five months. Um, and then we took, you know, the, the tickets to go to Australia and the plan was to stay like between, you know, three to six months, um, just, just to see what's out there. Not, you know, we wanted to leave Europe. We wanted to, to see something different. We wanted to speak English. Um, and uh, you know, eight, eight and a half years later, we we still around and we've got two kids and everything. So I guess that was the best move we we ever did. So I mean, did you guys like? Was it? I mean, did you guys travel before that? That's not my first question. Have you? Did, were you traveling before this, or is this just something like let's get out of France and let's move to Australia? So we we haven't moved as like the proper way. We haven't done like a world trip, or we haven't moved into the you know into the trip from up north of the states to um, South America. We 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 spent like a few months in Brazil. Um, as let's see what's in Brazil, and then we had to come back because you know no cash, um, and we couldn't stay there, uh, visa wise and everything. Um, so we haven't actually traveled. Uh, it was more like let's let's go to Australia, let's let's start something fresh and start like something new. And were you in food or restaurants or in the entrepreneur space before this, like before you guys traveled, before you moved to Australia, or did this sort of come as you moved to Australia? Um, I was not at all. So, so basically, I, w- I used to work for like a big um, insurance firm in, in France, you know, selling insurance contracts and stuff. Um, and when I first came in Australia, because we had to find a job, because obviously we didn't have much cash as well. And so I was uh, in a festival, um, dipping 
you know, chips um, harder for container to container. Um, it was like my first hospitality experience ever in my life, and it was eight and a half years ago. Um, and so, yeah, I was not in the in in the like food industry uh, before coming here in Australia. So let's talk about this build up now. So. Uh, Matt, like you come in, you're getting into food in Australia. I mean, you eventually become an entrepreneur and you, you eventually own your own pizza place, you know, out in Perth or outside of Perth. Uh, and it's a growing, as we discussed right before we got on, which we'll talk about later. Like, what is this like? Like, tell me you're in a new country. You don't have jobs. You, you're trying to figure out, like, how do you guys get a foothold in a new country? Like, I'm just curious because... It's something I can't imagine why I've lived different places and spent time at different places. I didn't actually commit to live there for three to six months and it ended up being years, you know? So how did that, I mean, what was that like? Um, so so the, the, the first thing of our story is when we first landed, we were like, oh, we need to get a job um, because we need to pay rent. And we came here with, um, that, that's the number I'm always going to have in my head, with 1,000 euros. Um, so, you know, you could, we, we couldn't stay much longer um, without working. So we worked from like week one um, as finding like a few jobs here and there. I thought I was speaking English uh, when I first came in Australia uh, from school. I was actually not too bad um, English-wise at school, not the rest. Um, and actually when I came in Australia, I was like, they don't speak English actually. They, they, they speak like a, like a different language. So I couldn't even pick up the phone to... Um, to get a rental, to get, you know, I, I couldn't speak on the phone. So um, then I found another job as um, labor, as a bricky laborer. So I was doing the mix um, for the brickies to, you know, build a house. Uh, it was like, Australia is pretty hot uh, during summer. Like, we're eating like 40 degrees uh, during the day and we're like out, out there under the sun. Um, and the, the, the thing is for us, when we first came, it was like, we love this country. Uh, people are incredible. It's safe. Um, it's a different culture. Uh, in Perth, like the, the good weather is like nine months out of twelve. So that's something we loved. Um, and then, so we, we grew as work-wise. So we, we then we moved into the hospitality side a bit more often. Um, and we had to. To bartend, so we were bartenders um, for festivals. So you know, serving um, booze behind the bar to different festivals, different uh, bars, different shows. Um, and then visa-wise in Australia, when you first came in, you've got like a working holiday visa. And if you want to stay here, you have to do like a farm work um, in a regional like area in, in Australia. So we went down south in Margs, which is roughly like three or four hours um, down south from Perth. And then we stayed there uh, three months and we were um, doing the pruning for the grapes, um, the, the vine, sorry. It was like the worst work experience in my life because it was like five degrees. It was like raining every single day from five in the morning until, I don't know, like three, four p.m. when, when we had to, to, to finish the shift. So we did that for like a month and a half. And on the side, I was uh, working for a big brewery in, in, in Margaret River. And then um, I've become to be a bar manager there. So to get more into, you know, managing stuff, doing the roster with the, with the, with the owners and everything. So it, it dragged me into that kind of 
um, more exciting job that's like seven years is cool, but I wanted to do something different. I wanted to be more involved in like structure and project and how we're going to develop the brand, how we're going to, how we're going to be better. Um, so then the farm jobs finished. Uh, we're so happy. We did get our second visa uh, granted. So the second working in the visa. Then came back to France for like a few months just to see family and friends. Then when we came back, for the second time in Australia, we went to Melbourne um, because we wanted to see something different. Then I moved into the cafe side. So I was, I've been, I've been trained uh, to be a barista. So I was like frothing milk, pouring some um, coffees, and then, you know, to all those latte things, the cappuccino, the log mac, all those things, like the things coffee. And I actually loved that because uh, it's, you wake up early and then you finish your shift at 2, 3 p.m. So it would like the whole afternoon for you. Um, just to do, like things. Um, then after a few months in Melbourne, we did a road trip uh, up to Brisbane. And when we came to Brisbane, we had a, a big opportunity to come back to Perth to work in the same company that's when we started with, like when we first started. So we had a chat with Soph, my partner, and we're like, oh, let's go back to Perth and see what's going to happen. So went back to Perth um, to work for the festival season again. And then that's where we... I had, had a chat with my boss and I was like, look, Marcus, I want to I wanna be more involved with you. I want to I wanna stay in Australia. And the only way to stay in Australia, uh, well, for our case, was to get um, a sponsorship. So basically, you need to get an employer who's going to pay for your visa and you need to work for them, with them, for like a certain amount of time um, with a certain amount of money that you need to earn every every week uh, to, to be able to stay in Australia with like else cover and everything. So we managed to get that sponsorship with um, with my old boss, um, and then that's when I went from uh, dipping fries uh, with him to the the GM of um, uh, Love Music Venue, um, where we had gigs from Wednesday night to Sunday night, and that that's that's exactly what happened to us. So we did manage to get the the the, the like the sponsorship, and then three years later we did get the permanent residency as so we've got the same same right as an australian citizen pretty cool so let me back up a little bit let's talk about this manager of a food establishment that's also like i don't know like a honky tonk if you were in nashville basically you have live music you're serving food what type of food is it like how was this job and i mean you had to work it for three years obviously to keep your visas to become citizens so explain to me what that job was like and what the experience was like being a manager of a facility like that. So that, that was a good experience as, um, well, first in life experience and food experience and manager experience. So we were serving like pet food. So all those, you know, palmy, um, chicken palmy, all those fries, all those wings, um, pizzas. Um, so it was like more like a pub meal. Um, and, and my like weekly routine was go to go to the place like every morning from between eight and nine. Um, start to get like reply to all the emails because you get like a, a million of emails. Get the roster sorted. We we used to have like around forty staff uh, all together. Um, so you need to do the roster. You need to fix problem because I think when you're a manager, at some point you spend more time fixing issues than doing actually your day to day uh, job on the on the ground. And then what was good is like the, the I was working like 60, 70 hours a week 
um, because I love that. And, and also I didn't have the choice and that's where I've learned everything. So how to get um, like a menu together, well, how, how to do the, the good marketing for the products that we're selling, how to, how to comply with all the legislation, like, you know, safety wise, health inspection, um, all the requirements from the, the city where you've got your business. Um, so those three years, I've learned more than like any time in my whole life. And that's exactly what I'm probably going to talk about later. Uh, but that's without this experience, I wouldn't be able to have my own business now. Cool. So what happens after you guys, I mean, do you stay with this job after you get your residency or you're like, okay, I've learned a lot. Like I need to take the next steps. What are sort of, what's going on in your mind, Matt, at this point? Because I assume you're maybe having kids or thinking about starting a family now that you're permanent in Australia. So I want to get into all that, but let me anchor one thing before I get off. Cause or before I give you back the mic, sorry. Um, I want to anchor that you really, the long-term discipline it took to see this through, like it takes a lot in human, especially in today's world, to stick through something for three years to get your desired outcome, not want to switch jobs, not get greedy and need more money. Like it's just really focused. We need to do this for three years. This is how we're going to do it. And this is how we get our citizenship so we can stay in Australia ultimately. And I think that that's just an important thing for for me to anchor for everyone. So let me go back to the question, which is, what do you do after this? What's sort of going on in your head, Matt? Um, so when I first came to Australia, I was like, this country is amazing. I want to do my own stuff. And, and as explained earlier, um, visa-wise, I, I couldn't do anything. I had to stay with him. Um, and then I've said to stuff when I first came, it's like, I want to open a pizza shop, like a pizza, little things in my backyard. Um, so obviously it didn't happen because you need to, like, you, you can't time-wise and you have, to, you have to, all the legislation and everything. So after um, I did get my permit, like permanent uh, residency uh, in Australia, two months later, I had my first um, commercial lease. So my goal was, uh, you stay three years, you've got three years to go. It was the worst, probably like in the end, that that was the worst um, time in my life work-wise. My son was born, my first son was born during that time. And I haven't seen him grow for the first two years. Um, So so that that was quite hard family-wise. But as soon as as my permanent residency was granted, that's when I first, um, yeah, first time my my first commercial lease. um, And I was like, cool, not going to do it. So... um, so yeah, just two months after, and I was like, I'm going to do a pizza shop. And so right then you decide that you're going to, um, you're going to go out on your own. Like, it's like, you've been building this up. Have you been saving money? This is something you knew you wanted to do. Like you have an end goal of getting your citizenship. So you're like, I really want to go out on my own. Is that, is that sort of how it went? Well, I didn't have much goal because I was my my first plan. To be honest with you, was um, so Marcus, the, the guy I've been working with, well, for 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 a while, for like probably seven years. Um, I've actually asked him, like, Marcus, I want to be partner with you. Like, what you're doing is like it's amazing. I want to be partner with you. Um, what's what do you want me to do to be partner with you? Like, investing money or we open a business together? And it's it's all it's more like um like a running his things on his own. So it was like, he, he denied and refused um, all my proposal. I was like, oh, cool, that, that, that's fair enough. I didn't have much plan um, when I, before signing my, my first commercial lease. So money-wise, I was like, I was not 
you know, I didn't have much money. I had a car, I had to sell a car actually to, to open my business. Um, and I was like, cool, he doesn't want me to invest in his business. Um, I want to, I want to be my own boss. I want to do something cool. I've got a bit of money as soon as I sell my car. So I've sold my car. I have 50 Ks and I was like, what can I do with 50 Ks? So um, then we set up the, 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 the thing. I was still working with him during the um, renovations and everything. And because I, I, you know, I've got, I've got one kid at this time. So I was like, I cannot just drop everything do all in because I need to take care of my family. My partner was working, but we, we a salary, you know, she couldn't get us through any anything like if I had to, to leave my job. So I, I stayed with him for a little while. And as soon as we, we started, after one month, I had to leave my, my main job because I couldn't do my, I couldn't focus on both, both things. Um, opening my first business, being 100% investing like in the business and also uh, being invested as I was before, I was before. Sorry, so it wasn't fair for for him, and it wasn't wasn't fair for for my business. I was like, cool, I'm gonna drop that side, which I don't I don't want to do this anymore, and I'm just gonna focus on myself and my business and get that business off the roof. Yeah. So here's a question: During all this, how did you develop the menu for your pizza place? Like, uh, I met, you have so much going on. Your son's bored. Like, you're juggling a job and trying to start your side hustle, which becomes your full hustle very quickly in in your business. Like, how did you develop the menu for the pizza? Like, how did you come up with the dough during all this? I mean, it doesn't seem like you're having much time to do all that. How did you find time? And how, what did you develop? I guess would be the next question. Well, the first thing, um, I didn't know anything about the pizza world. So we, we, we we've just like, uh, we're going to get a, we're going to get a shop. We're going to put a wood fire oven. We're going to put a few benches and then we're going to, we, we, we're going to figure out later down the track. And then as the opening day was coming through, uh, we were like, Oh, like it's actually it's a, it's a real deal. Like, how we're we gonna make the dough? What what ingredients do we need? We we don't have any menu. What 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 we're we gonna do? Um, so we reached out um, a guy. His name is Andrea. He's actually a, a good mate now, and and we were actually starting a business together. We we'll talk about later. Uh, and he is the the master of the pizza in Perth. Um, he's doing consulting. So we're like uh, Andrea. We need your help for like a, consult- a consulting. So he came here and he gave us a hand to set up like the process of, oh, we need to do a menu. Um, and the thing is, got so much experience. So we worked with him around the co- like around the edges, like what 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 we want to bring. Do we want to bring like a Australian? That's what Australian people love, like more you know crunchy days and a lot of toppings on the pizza. And we're like, no, no, we're gonna stick with the Neapolitan style pizza. So what we've done. We actually went very easy. We've got one item on the menu, which is a pizza. And then we've got 16 different pizzas when we first open. So we've got one base and we just change the topping. So it make the whole process a bit easier. As soon as we, we couldn't do like deep fried stuff or other items, because that would have damaged the process of being simple and take away easy side of the shop. Um, so, so we did get Andrea on board uh, for like few, few, few weeks, and he gave us the recipe, um, gave us some contacts because we had no clue how to recruit a chef. What was the experience that a chef um, need to be able to do, you know, 500 pizza a week? 
uh, when we first started. Um, and then, yeah, that's that, that's what exactly happened. And the idea was, let's keep it simple and authentic Napolitan-style pizza. Um, so that, that's what we did. Did you always like pizza growing up? I mean, where'd the pizza thing come from? Because you said you had never made it before, <laughs> but you had the idea of opening the restaurant. Was it something that's always been in you? Is it something that, like, you've always wanted to do? Explain it to me in, in very specific, you know, pizza from Naples, like, style. For anyone who doesn't know what Napolitania, we'll t- do it later, but... Whatever, it's from Naples. It's where my my Italian brothers are from and my relatives. I should be able to pronounce it, but it's late here in the U.S. So um, explain to me that. Has pizza always been an obsession or something you've thought about? Yes, so for a few points, um, I'm a pizza lover. Um, I'm craving for pizza. I can eat pizza like every week. Well, that's actually that's, that's what I'm doing. So I love pizzas. And, and also um, the... The, when you go on Instagram and all the things, you, you see those those Napolitan style pizzas. So the, the 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 crust is like quite big and very hairy. It's beautiful. You've got that you know the, those drops like black spot dots on on, on the crust. Um, it's a very thin base, very light. This this is the, the the pizza I wanted to to do for that point. So the beauty and it's 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 a piece of heart. Every single pizza coming out of the oven for me is a piece of heart. Is of course, you can go to. I'm not gonna, you know, name any any other companies, but like, you know, few like people. There's people who like the the simple of the simplifies the process, and uh, which I think it's a very good idea. And I like the arts behind the pizza. And about as well about the pizza. Why I didn't want to, I did want to make pizza is um, it's it's easy. It's easy to you've got one product, you change the topping. And you've got a great menu, and also let's let's face the reality: the the margin of pizza is 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 amazing. Um, so when you put all those things together, you're like, ah, oh, cool, it's a win. Up, that's I want to make a pizza shop. One hundred percent, and I agree with you. What are some of those pizzas that you guys offer? Like, uh, what are the sixteen pizzas that are the main staples of your menu? So we've got um, basically they are in three different categories. Uh, we've got the the, the red pizzas. Um, we've got the white. So red pizza is like with tomato sauce base. We've got the white pizzas with it, which is uh, cheese and cream based. And then we've got like uh, we've called them the kikas. Kikas more in it's 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 a bit different, uh, meaning that we've got some pesto base. Um, pesto base instead of the tomato sauce. So it's like oh yeah, that's cool. Um, so we obviously we like the it's very traditional. So I've got a margarita, which is like you know the, the just the tomato sauce, um, the cheese, parmigiano, basil, olive oil, and this is my favorite pizza because if if you ninety percent of the pizza, the red pizzas, it's got those three four ingredients. So if they're amazing, you know you you eat the right place um, to eat pizza because you can go with a different pizza. Let's say we've got one it's called Tamara. Um, You've got some prawns, you've got some salami, you've got some chili. So that could hide the tomato sauce, that could hide a bit of the cheese. Um, but we wanted to, that's what we're working with, like importing ingredients from, from Italy and from Napoli, just, just to make that perfect. So out of the six in pizza, we've got like, you know, eight or oh, sorry, ten um, in the red base because that's that's what's the most popular. We've got in the, the white base, so we do what's called Lano Calin. 
where it's more like an Australian thing. We've got, you know, roasted potatoes, we've got some pancetta, we've got some balsamic glaze. Um, when I first opened the shop, I was like, I would never put any balsamic glaze on the pizza, but actually the reality is this is amazing. Um, so you, if you do a menu just for yourself, um, you're not gonna you're not gonna sell a lot of pizza. But when you make a menu for the pe- people out there, and you ask them what they like, what they want, it does create like um, a great synergy between the customer and and us behind the the tools um, to 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 do a great menu. Uh, and also same with the pineapples. If you say that's pineapples in 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 pizza in Napoli, you 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 could get in big troubles. Um, but the reality is pineapples goes in pizza here in Australia, um, and it does goes amazing. So we actually have a kick-ass pizza called Pineapple Goes in Pizza when we launched a new menu on, on like two, in two weeks. And the, the first ingredients after the mozzarella is pineapple, and we did put in brackets tips because we've got we go through so many pineapples here uh, in Australia. It's pretty crazy um, that that happened. Are you still there? Yeah. I'm just yeah, like, yeah. I'm just blown away by, because we like pineapple on pizza here, but quite not. I wouldn't say that we're, we're people are lining up for it in the way, but I've got to imagine that it's a little bit different to more of a tropical climate there. So it's just part of, do pineapples actually grow there in Australia? Yeah. There you, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a very good question, actually. I've got no clue. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, so Matt, let's talk about what is your favorite pizza? Like if you're this pizza connoisseur, what's your favorite? Is it on the menu? And if it's not, what is your favorite pizza on the menu? So I'll be very boring, maybe. Um, my favorite pizza is the margarita, margarita pizza. Um, as, as, explained, as explained before, um, if you cannot cheat on the margarita, margarita pizza. So if your base is not great, you'll see straight away because you've got no ingredients that's going to take over um, the flavor of your dough. If your tomato sauce is too bitter or too sugary or too salty, you'll feel straight away because you don't have enough like other ingredients to balance that out. And same with the cheese. So um, I'm actually, uh, as soon as I go to the shop, and I, because I'm checking the quality every, every week, if not every day, I always order, order margarita. And if I have to slip away from margarita. I love La Locale. That's the one we talked about before with uh, crispy pancetta, some potatoes, balsamic glaze. And my little uh, cheat meal on top of the pizza, I had to, I like to have a brada, a brada cheese. Um, I don't know if it's uh, a big thing um, in the US, but I in Australia, it's, it's actually out of control, like the brada cheese. And then that's so Instagram, in, Instagrammable, um, you know, all the things. You get the cheese like melty as spread like perfectly, and the taste is amazing. And we're so lucky. We've got like a, a producer who's going to give them a shootout. It's called La Delizia, and they actually Italian family produce their own cheese in, in Perth, and they're the best. They make the cheese is the best. That's awesome. So I mean, it's fresh ingredients. Like this is something like you're talking about the pineapple that you're talking about like just your love of food. So I've got to imagine you're spending a lot of time keeping it fresh, keeping it true to you and your beliefs. And also being French, I think there's an an inheritability to just level up the food quality in general. So, I mean, 
how did it go once you opened? What was that like? Like, were you scared? Like, what was the stress like? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs or or wannabe entrepreneurs, you know, are trying to figure out how to take that step, but they're scared of what happens at the beginning. And and what was that like at, at for you? Like, all of a sudden you're open, you've now switched over in the first month. Like, what's it like to open a pizza restaurant, even with a consultant? Like, how did that go? How'd you find employees eventually? Like, how does all that work? Um, so when you don't know, uh, we we opened the shop without thinking of all this side. That's That sounds a bit crazy. We were like, we're going to open a pizza shop. It's going to be easy. It doesn't sound um, crazy to me. I like building the plane as I jump off the cliff, you know, like as we're exactly. flying the plane, let's build it and figure out how to fly it. Exactly. We were like, all right, we've got a store now. We're going to buy an oven. We're going to buy a few fridges. Cool. Now, how are we going to make pizzas? And so the whole, I think we, 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 we took the, 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 the story like upside down and we're like, we're going to get a shop and then we've got to figure out later instead of, uh, let's figure out how we're going to make the door, how this, how this, how this, where that's, I think where all the scary things come out, are coming out. Um, so when we first opened, so when we had actually the opening day, which I will remember all my life, the 15th Jan 2021, right in the middle of COVID, um, we were like phoning guys to come and work with us two hours before because the Andrea was like, guys, you've got no idea how busy you're going to be. It's like, no, we haven't pushed too much on sessions. And it was like, you guys got no idea. And actually, we did not have any idea whatsoever. So we did not actually get like an extra two guys. And that day, I think it was like for the opening day for like four hours, we sold like, I think like 350 pizzas. And it was like, absolutely out of control we had no clue whatsoever like what's the process we didn't put any process in place because when the pizza is coming out of the oven you have obviously to finish the pizza you have to cut the pizza you have to add ingredients you have to store the pizzas when they're ready you have to put the ducats you have to make sure you give the right pizza to the right people you have to make sure you get them to pay you have to and that that process we actually figure out during the first hour like how we're going to answer the phone how we're going to type it's chaos because i know what happens is you don't there's it's impossible to think about everything that's going to come at you you would like lose your mind if you were an entrepreneur and you got stuck in that space of thinking about all the things that happen which a lot of people do that's why entrepreneurs are different we're like well whatever's going to come at us we'll handle it we'll figure it out and we'll learn from day to day until we get it right and most people Correct. just don't understand that failure is not the same to an entrepreneur. We don't look at it as a failure. It's like this weird rapid fire. But even though to someone else it may look like we the scoreboard was one to nine, but what everyone doesn't realize is the nine losses were at the beginning. The one win we got was the TKO that solved the problem. So while the scoreboard may not reflect it, we were willing to keep taking the losses until we learned how to do it one time and win and never have a loss again. And that's the important thing because it's not a continual game once you master something like this. And I think that that's really cool. And you're right. Like I've learned so much while failing rather than winning. Because when you fail as, and I'm not saying, I'm not talking about failing of lost businesses or anything. It's like, you, fails can be little things, but like when you give away like 10 pizza to someone and you give them the wrong order, this is a massive fail. Because people are going to come to a place and they're going to open the boxes. And it's like, 
that's not my order. And then they call you and then they rush to the shop and they're angry. And then that happened during the first opening day, not even a week, first day. And we were like so busy and the chefs were like, so because the chefs were like, oh, we have to remake this order again. It's like, yeah, well, sorry, man. Actually, you have to make twice because we gave the other pizza to the other people. So we sold, we sold like yeah, 300 pizzas. We probably made like 400 pizzas because we made so many mistakes. I know exactly what that so is. Much. It's like, well, well, hey, you just we have to remake this pizza. But oh, yeah, because if we sent the wrong pizza to that guy, also someone else got the wrong pizza that Correct. was supposed to go to them. So you were going to have to redo it twice. So it's just like Correct. you could just see the like bubbling over of everyone in the business as you're trying to steer the ship exactly. and learn how to build it at the same time. But so, so again, if someone like listening to us right now is trusting yourself, and that's that's my main goal is like if you don't trust in yourself, who else is gonna trust in you? Do what you think is good, and you're gonna learn. You're gonna fail. You're gonna take some hits. You're gonna get some bad reviews. At the beginning, when I like a bad review, I was like losing my like. I was so sad. I was like. This is my baby. Like it's the same. Like you, we've got a kid, and like you think he's the most beautiful. And like somebody's like, oh yeah, but why this? And you take that personally. And it's the same with business. And I was like, I was like mad every single time. So I was like, no, I'm gonna improve this. I'm gonna improve this. When you're a business owner, you don't work certain amount, amount of hours. You work mind wise every single minute of the day. And I and I think that sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad because you need to focus on different things. But all the, the, the little phase, you, you're going to learn so much more than winning because winning, oh, it's done, yeah, happy days. When you fail, you're going to improve the system so much better. It's going to be like, you're going to mastermind everything. Yeah, it's interesting that you said the thing about the mind. Um, I'm going to just say this. like I, Being in food and being an entrepreneur, like really hardcore in different aspects for 24 years and working with family and then not being in it anymore. I really thought there was going to be like some sort of peace of mind right now um, that my mind would actually not think work all the time or not think business all the time or entrepreneur like, okay, like maybe I'm not, that's not going to happen. But because literally in my sleep, I would start like subconsciously solving problems or replaying conversations or identifying issues or figuring out how to try to squeeze people or get this or get that, whatever I needed. And it was like I was solving problems in my head. And by squeezing people, I mean how to put pressure on them to get them to perform, um, put them a little uncomfortable, make sure that they're not comfortable, get them to perform a little bit more because comfort's bad in business. Yeah. And, um, and so weirdly, now my brain is always thinking subconsciously and during the day about what I'm going to do next or what are the other things and the opportunities are out there. And it was like, oh, yeah, that... That was a myth I told myself, apparently. I lied to myself that there would be some sort of peace of mind in that way. And I'm not saying that it's yeah. unpeaceful of mind. I'm just saying I thought my mind would be more like, what am I going to do? And and maybe enjoy it a little more of my time. But it's it's not. That's like I'm wired to be this person that needs to be this active, that needs to be constantly moving or I might die. Like literally, like if I if I'm not going as an entrepreneur and my mind's not going, I would probably I'd probably wither away and die. I've come to realize that now. It's what keeps me going, and it keeps me performing like higher rates than other people. It's what I'm willing to do to take risks, like you just talked about. I'm willing to bet exactly. on myself, and I'm willing to trust myself, even when no one else in the world is, or everyone else can find reasons not to. Of course they can. Exactly. 
I know me. I know what it is. I know why I do what I do. I know what I'm doing, and I know it may not make sense to you always, but I have to trust it because I'm the captain of my seas. You know, so that's the key. That's the key. That's the number one of the least. If you trust in yourself, and you're gonna make everything better, hundred percent. But I think that as as entrepreneurs, um, it's I like to nap. I like to do naps just to switch my brain off. Um, and you know, I'm 36. Uh, and and as soon as like during the weekend, it's like, uh, boys, we're gonna have. So I put the, I put my kids to sleep, and actually I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a nap just to switch my my conscious my my brain off. For an hour, for an hour, because as I know, as soon as I'm awake, and now we live in this world where you got your your phone in your pockets all the time, and you've got emails, and then requests, and then everything, everything, every minute in your life goes back to your businesses because you you, you cannot switch off. You've got so many things to do to keep growing your business, and but actually that's 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 like a drug, and I'm I'm an addict. I can tell you, I'm an addict. Well, and I'm now I'm at a point where I look back and on those 24 years also, I'm analyzing every single mistake I've made, you know, or every single person I, I put in a position I shouldn't have or every person like I now can do that, that backside to rebuild something. And it is, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just that, that, that mind going thing of like being able to solve problems and being an entrepreneur and almost an industrialist in like seeing the big picture and how do we move this forward? Because like if I can't get through this and I can't service the customers in a way that they're happy, then I'm never going to get to my big dream. So I've got to really do this. Well, we're other, we're up, someone who's not an entrepreneur is just going to be like, okay, I've just got to keep the customers happy and then I'll be fine. They're not thinking that I need to really excel at it because it's going to get me Correct. to this long-term mission, which maybe it's multiple stores, maybe it's ghost kitchens, maybe it's deliveries all over. I don't know what it, what it is for you, Matt, but for me, it's it's big picture things always, and my mind can't help but go that big, and then break down the problem into small solutions by going through the battle that you're talking about. Like I have to battle through one because it helps me understand what our business is. Two, you have to go through it as an entrepreneur to build the trust of your people. You have to be in your businesses, building them. And three, you learn so much about where to take your business by actually you know, being an entrepreneur and thinking about it all the time and, and being in it as you're doing it and just, you know what, this is mine. I have to do this. That like you said, you know, after a month you're realizing, oh, this is mine. I'm the one who has to get this to succeed. Yeah. Um, and taking ownership for lack of a better term. Definitely. And then I think it, it makes your success more enjoyable as well. Cause you're like, yeah, I've started from scratch and then, that's everything that's happening. I, I did put everything in place, so I think it's very self-rewarding as well. Um, and then just keep keep your limit, like never, never stop your limits. You're just gonna keep pushing because, and that, I think that's the human brain. So like you always want more, and not in a bad way, but like if I can do this, why I can't do this? Which is as you said before, like bigger pictures, like more so and more. Yeah, just 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 expand. So talk to me about. Um, where you want this to go? Like, what's next steps? Like, I mean, what's the journey? Okay, I guess let's maybe slow down here a little bit. I mean, what has it been like since you opened? Like, are you, I mean, now where do you go? I guess it's a good bridge. Like, now knowing what you know, now having the business started, like, where do you want this to go? Because I've got to imagine that you're already thinking about it as you're building it. Yeah, 
Correct. So as we speak, we are actually opening the second shop. Um, like the opening date is not set yet. It's going to be probably in two weeks, um, which is not too far from the first location. Because what I want to do, I want to cover um, Perth. So Perth is divided with little, like a lot of suburbs. And I want to put a dot, a shop in every single suburb in, in Western Australia. This is my goal. I want to sell more pizzas than any other businesses in Western Australia. And I want my brand more powerful um, in, in the game, pizza-wise, in Western Australia. So so we're opening a shop like in two weeks. And as I said before, so Andrea, I'm, I'm opening another shop. It's going to be a different brand. Uh, but we're opening a shop. We should have the key of the commercial lease in probably like a month and a half. And again, it's going to be about food. It's going to be about pizza. It's going to be about Napolitan stuff. Um, and, and we're so excited. So the goal is to get a, a shop um, like a new shop every three to six months. Whoa, every three to six months. That's like super exciting. I love this, Matt. And I'm sorry to cut everyone off, but I'm going to go ahead and we're out of time here. Um, thank you everyone for listening in. Please share the podcast. Matt is coming on for a part two that we are going to release tomorrow. So these will be back to back episodes. But I just wanted to give everyone a shout out. Thank you guys for listening in. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Thank you for the success. Uh, we're trying to improve it, trying to make it better, uh, always trying to, to figure out ways to, to do better. So I thank you guys. Share it. Support the entrepreneurs. Thank you. I love that we have another episode from Australia. We love our Australian followers and listeners and and uh, restaurateurs and entrepreneurs that have come on the show. So this is pretty awesome. So thank you guys. I appreciate you guys. And we're out.